Good morning. With me today is ESPN's Clinton Yates. We're going to talk about the Washington football team. And um, first, we're going to start off with how how the Lakers started off. And and the and the the first year I can remember, the only year I can remember, the two the the number the number one seeds are zero and one. Um. So, what are you most surprised by? The Lakers the Lakers down 0-1? Or the Bucks down? Uh, definitely more so the Bucks. Um, but in a qualified way. I mean, the Magic beat the Raptors last year in Game 1. Just forget that in the first round of the playoffs. So, the Magic know how to start well. But, I mean, for the Bucks, I just feel like that's... You can't have that, you know. I mean, the Bucks were supposed to roll over everybody, almost to an extent in the East, more so than the Lakers were. You know, the Magic. I mean, how many how many players can you name on the Magic? I can name them all. I, I watch NBA League Pass every single night. I I, I think that I think that most casual okay, well, fans cannot wide, do that. But what I'm saying is, I'm breaking your balls. And what I'm saying <laughs> is that like the Magic are not like some popular power squad that, you know, anybody is afraid of ever. And, you know, that doesn't mean they suck. It just means that that's a different matchup for um, the Bucks from a from a competition standpoint than the Blazers and the Lakers. So, you know, the Blazers, they played a good game, you know. I mean, Dane getting 34 points on only nine field goals made. Kind of incredible. Um, you know, uh, Davis, you know, sort of did the same. He got to the line a lot, didn't make a punch. You know, 12 for 17 from the free throw line, okay. You know, Dave hit all 10 of it. You know, that's what got him that 34. And I guess for me, you know, that's not what you want, but it's not the worst-case scenario for the Lakers. I think it's a bit of a wake-up call, which is fine. Um, but the Blazers are good. I mean, I, this is not new. Blazers were in the Western Conference Finals last year. Like, let's not forget about that. So, you know, most of the year, Jokic was out. Most of the year, Zach Powell was out. Zach didn't even play last night. Um, but, you know, I, I just think overall, you know, the Lakers figured out that they can't just roll the balls out there and expect to fill it up. You know, that, that's not going to work. I mean, Kuhn's getting 30 minutes in this game, um, I, I think, is, is as destructive as anything. Yep. You know, he scored 14, but... Only hit one from the outside. Only only took five, yep. which is fine. But you know you need Kuz to do more. I, I don't necessarily know that he did not do enough, but I would rather. I, I, how do I say this? It's not that Kuz is underperforming. It's that Kuz needs to overperform for the team to be great. This is a good team with average Kuz. It's a great team with above average Kuz. So who would you rather see in the starting lineup? Catavius Caldwell Pope, or I'm going to make a, or I'm going to give you a name you probably don't won't don't expect me to bring up in this context, or Dion Waiters, and you're going to laugh, but I say that only because no. he can shoot. He he can shoot at least. Somebody has to be able to shoot. Catavius Caldwell Pope has not been able to shoot in the bubble. Zero. No one has. So you they have to be able to. Figure out how to get the three-point shots up, and how to get those, 
how to get those to action how do you how do you get your percentage up well you get your percentage up by putting guys in your starting lineup who can shoot and they have yet be, been I, able I, to do I, that I, I hear that why but i don't know that i agree the waiter is the solution to that what waiter brings to the table is the shot creation standpoint that typically involves him getting to the rack um, I, I think that's where Waiters' main strength is. I don't, I don't necessarily know that I'm on board with what you're saying from game one, um, specifically. In general, I agree with you. I just think more shots got to go down. You know, I, you know that, you know, they say it's a make or miss lead, and I, I think that's real in this particular case. I mean, what they shoot overall these three? They shot. It's, it's it's like it's, it was like, it, yeah, what because are we talking about they made thirty. You know, they made three, five out of thirty Danny Green being two for eight from three is a major problem. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Um, because that's effectively what he's there for on some level. And so, I, I, you know, look, if you shoot eight threes and you only make two, I don't think the issue is getting the shot. You know, the issue is making the shot. And, you know, that happens. Um, and some of the time they weren't even open. Some of the majority of that time, the shots that they were missing, they were not even open. They just took the shot because that's it was counting the fives. But, but, but look, that's what I'm saying. I mean, that, you know, it's the playoffs. You know, you, you got to hit shots in people's faces. Contested shots are the, dis- are the difference between, as I stated before, great teams and good teams. Everybody can make open jumpers in the NBA. I'm saying some of these bad boys got to go down if you expect to be able to win the game. And the thing is, and this is something that I think about all the time, like, you know, when I, when I cover games and when I analyze things is, you know, at no point did I think the Lakers were going to win that game, which is almost just on a vibe level more distressing to me than anything. You know, sometimes you watch games and say, okay, well, they lost. You know what I mean? Like a couple things went awry or, you know, there was some specific play that broke down. I'm thinking about specifically in this case as a corollary, you know, Donovan Mitchell, for example. Um, yesterday or two days ago when, you know, I mean, he filled it up, but there was one specific play, which was that backcourt violation, which was the eight-second violation, where then Jamal Murray went off. He said, okay, well, there was some huge thing that happened. Or, for example, in the Mavs game, where when Porzingis got caught, and you think, oh, well, that was a huge turning point, and he just lost the game. You know, that's one thing. But throughout the course of this game, at no point were they thinking, okay, well, the Lakers are going to win this. You know, that, that just didn't happen. And for as much as I thought this was going to be a tight series, I guess I sort of always looked at it as something in which the Lakers were going to be in front of, and the Blazers were just going to have to sort of claw back in. And that didn't happen. I'm not saying they controlled the game poorly, but it certainly looked like they were in no way out that. Which, for a team that plays that terrible defense, you know, just in general in transition, and that can't happen. You know, the Lakers never really established what they do, in my opinion. Um, in, in a way that, that indicated that they were going to be a championship team. So, again, bad night, bad result, but not a terrible situation because they missed so many shots. Maybe one thing is they filled it up and just quick win, but that's not what happened. They could not fill it up, and as a result, they did not win. What do you think, what, 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 what would be an ideal rotation for the Lakers to roll out? Because in my opinion, they don't have a rotation. There are guys well, who play I mean, from the ne- rotation is not. You play tonight, you don't play tomorrow. <laughs> that is not a rotation. Sure, but I mean, I, you know that's 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 ideal. But I also think that like Lakers fans get a little too pressed about things being perfect 
as opposed to things working. You know, the Caruso situation is a bit of a disaster right now. I mean, he played 29 minutes last night. Once the fix in the field, didn't make a three, couldn't get to the free throw line. And he you did know, that, some of the worst defense of all of them last night. He, he was he was he was he was one of the worst defensively of all of them. There were a couple plays right. where and one it, or two guys fall. It, well, he falls over, and then Dame shoots a three based upon the fact that Caruso falls over because he was wide open. You cannot play in the playoffs that way. In my opinion, Caruso sure, should be in the doghouse right here's now. Here's my point is though. Why? Here's what my point is though. Is that. You know, Caruso, you know, sure, possession to possession might not be everything everybody wants. But, dog, you playing 30 minutes, basically, and you can't hit a three? And you don't have, what, you know, you had three assists? I mean, you had three steals, but, like, bro, you know, you're, you're not, and I understand his plus minus is 12. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not implying that he was completely useless. But he scored two points, you know. The bench just has to be better. And, and that's really all, all, all there is to it. I, I thought Morris was a guy who, you know, got in foul trouble a little bit. So that was tough. I, I just think that the Lakers, the Lakers tend to act like if they roll out one lineup, it is just going to work. That's not what we're dealing with here. This is a team that has to adjust on the fly, quarter to quarter, half to half, game to game. And I just think they didn't do that. You know, they, 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 they got they got into a rhythm that never really indicated that they were in a place to win the game, and they didn't. They you know, never, you, you know, I never felt. That's why Terry Stotts, the coach of the, the Blazers, in my opinion, has done a pretty damn good job uh, so far with that team. I, don't, I never thought last night that they were actually going to keep that lead and win that game. I never did. Because if you can't, yeah. if you can't shoot threes... And, and that's their main problem, is they can't shoot threes. That is their problem. And their yeah, defense is pure no, garbage. Hold on, why, 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 hold on. They can't make, they're not it, making threes. Yeah. Or at least they didn't last night. You know, and that can change. You know, I mean, let's think of what they've done in the two points today. Anthony Davis took five, hit zero. LeBron James took five, hit one. KCP took five, hit zero. Kuzma took five, hit one. They made five total three. That, that, I mean, that just isn't good. You know what I'm saying? And I, I don't really know why Smith doesn't play. You know, he gets a DNP. I'm not really sure I understand that. You know, I, I, don't, I don't think the Lakers are in a position to be able to run at 10 guys. I mean, I understand that. I mean, I mean to me, it, it, you know, Smith has to, has to, has to play in order to seem to be good. When know, they first, maybe that means Caruso. Caruso is the one who sits next time. Thirty minutes out of Caruso, excuse me, thirty minutes out of Caruso, and zero minutes out of J.R. Smith is not next time. Remember when the Lakers signed J.R. Smith, and I was the first to text, and you were, and then I, and I, the first person I texted who I know was you, and I said, I said, I think I said that. What do you think about it? And the, what I thought was, and I've thought about this the entire time, they signed him to recreate Cleveland. And this team is a little different than that. Um, in Cleveland, they have they had the similar defensive struggles as the, as the Lakers do now. 
the Cleveland didn't have as much of that in the playoffs. They had a lot of that going into that season. Um, You're talking about which Cleveland team? The Kyrie, Kevin Love? Yeah, 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 yeah. Them. Um, not Kyrie, well. I mean, sure. I mean, I, I, I don't know that, look. I think that's I think that's describing a little too much to JR signing. I don't think they're trying to recreate Cleveland as much as they just needed a body that LeBron could trust. Which sounds a little counterintuitive considering what JR did at the end of that game against the yeah. uh, against the Warriors in the final where he just forgot. But I think that's a big part of it. You know? Again, I, I don't understand thirty total minutes, even if Dion Waiters was just one, between Caruso and Dion in zero minutes. Here's my issue with Caruso. Here's the problem with Caruso. In LA, people see him as a folk hero. And they see him as an anti-hero. They see him as someone who they can relate to because quite frankly, if he didn't play well in Summer League, he wouldn't have made the team that year. Yeah, but Dave Willis. If Dave scores 30, 
and you become to a point, and you only give up 100 points, uh, you know, you, you think you can win that game most times, you know? And they didn't because they just couldn't put the ball in the basket. You know, we talk about this all the time. I mentioned this before. Make or miss lead, no make. And you give up 100, you're going to lose. You know? Um, but they can't have, going forward to your point about Vogel, they can't have a situation where first 100 wins every night kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, that, that is not, that, that, that's not the kind of basketball that the Lakers need to play. They need to get more shots up, in my opinion, and they need to make more, too. You know, um, to your point about being able to, to beat them to get over. I mean, 15% from three is not going to win you a game in the playoffs. That's just not going to I don't think, it gives, I don't think you win a game anywhere with that. That is an awful right. percentage. I, is that, you don't win anything with that. Why? What I'm saying is that you can't even expect to win with that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's hard to overcome at a lot of levels. Whether or not it happens is one thing. Whether or not you can even give yourself a chance um, when you're shooting. 50 to 73 is one thing if you're shooting 23. If you're shooting 33, you know, um, which they did, uh, and you only make it five. Like, that means that people don't even have to accept the shot because nobody's dropping it. You know, so it sort of affects the way you move your offense. It affects your set. You know, where you can't spread the defense from a, from a, from a, um, from a distance standpoint. It's not a bad night, you know? Um, and I, I, look, I understand that, you know, we're in LA and we're talking to Lakers fans, but you forget the Blazers some credit here. Um, they didn't have Zach Collins. And in my opinion, Zach Collins is kind of, I, I don't think he's what makes them go, because that's not correct, but he's in many ways, you know, that interior straw that stirs a large part of the drink. And if he didn't even collect, um, and they managed to sort of control the second half the way that they did, I, I, I man, that, that is a huge concern to me. You know, you can talk about the individual Lakers players all you want, Wyatt, but if a guy that important to the Blazers did not even get on the floor and they managed to win a game, bro, that, I, I you hit on you hit on the you hit on the bigger problem. You hit on the bigger problem. And in my opinion, that Portland bench isn't that good. So if so if if you have to start somebody who are you who are you specifically referring to? Uh, the guy who they put like, in, the guy who no one Whiteside, remembers the name I mean, of. Because to, to me, Whiteside and Trent are that good. I, I, you know? I think, I, I mean, think they Gabriel, are great. Gabriel, I'm talking Gabriel, about the guy Gabriel, who took Collins' minutes last night. That guy, the guy who literally was is, the guy who is known for playing five minutes in a game and got and almost fouled out. Him, that guy. Who played a game? Right, um, Gabriel. Yeah, right. Um, I don't think that I don't think I, yeah, the Lakers I mean, should Gabriel, lose a game with him on the floor. To be real, but, but, but listen, it's not. Look, you don't have to judge the entire Blazers bench just because one guy came in and had a you know utilitarian game. You know, <laughs> I mean, Gabriel goes, Gabriel goes five fouls, but you know it's plus minus twelve. Puts up. No threes, he's not getting the free throw line, he hits a couple buckets. You know, I mean that that that's an old school NBA big man game. You understand? Yep. You're setting screens, you're playing defense, 
and you're getting around. And he didn't play that many minutes. He only played 16 minutes. You know, let's, let's not forget about that. I mean, Trent, Trent didn't even really heat up. Trent had to miss a three what felt like forever. And he only hit what only went one for four. You know, he didn't even put up that many shots. And so I think Gary Trent Jr. Concern. is the X factor for that. Play. Because no one, I think Gary Sorry? Trent, I think Gary Trent Jr. is the X factor for the Blazers. I think that I don't think he's an X factor is what I'm saying. I think he's an A, B, or even C factor. Because we know what we're gonna get out of a McCullum. We know what we're gonna get out of, you know, um uh a Dane. You know, Carmelo, you know, blows hot and cold. What what Carmelo did well last night was he got bored. You know what I'm saying? Carmelo was going to glass a little bit, getting a little get getting getting his double double on, which is which is a nice addition from him. But again, I, I, I'm not going to sit here and just lament how bad the Lakers are when I'm here to watch basketball. The Blazers played a good game, you know, and Hassan Whiteside, I thought, had a serviceable outing, a more than serviceable outing. You know, he leads the league in blocks. He had five last night. I mean, that's a factor. You know what I'm saying? The Lakers have to play their best to beat everybody, and that is something that Lakers fans are not taking into account. They're acting like just because AD and LeBron are there, that you can just roll the balls out and the talent's going to take over. Nobby, they got to execute because these teams are too good. If the Blazers are the eighth seed, and granted, that's kind of an unfair eighth seed because of like a, what I said before, you know, the injuries and the roster basically got completely reconstructed in the bubble for the better. But if the Blazers are the eighth seed, dog, it ain't getting easier. You know what I'm saying? I mean, look, if, 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 if the Magic can beat the Bucks and the Clippers lightweight struggle against the Mavs, who looks good, you know, and the Nuggets and the Jazz are doing it how they do, bro, it's going to take the whole effort. These 16 games ain't going to be no kind of cakewalk, you know, at, at, at all. And I, 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 I think that's something that, that Lakers fans need to understand. They have to be at their best. It doesn't mean perfect. It doesn't mean they have to dominate. It just means that every single thing that is supposed to happen needs to happen for them to win. And I don't think anybody should be expecting any sort of comfortable victories outside of some random blowouts that may or may not happen. This is not, this, this team is not that good, in my opinion, in terms of what happens when you play a series. Sure, from night to night in the, in the regular season, yeah, they can bang somebody out here and there. You catch somebody in a matchup night or on the back end of back to back to back or whatever the hell it may be. Yeah, you can bang people out. But in a series where you gotta adjust game to game, Lakers have to do everything right in order to be successful. This is not a situation where they just sort of show up and all of a sudden, you know, teams just bolt. Especially not with no home field event. Not remote. Or home court event. I, I think that if the, I think that the thing is, if you in this in this year's playoffs, you don't have an, much advantage. No one does. So everybody's playing equal. It's equal for everyone. Because you don't have home court. You don't have there's nothing that you have that the other team doesn't have in regards to um, the home court stuff. Because they can have these sure, virtual but, fans all they want, but I don't think virtual fans necessarily... I don't think that, that equals Staples Center in a late in a, in a late summer night. I just... No, and, I mean, the home court game is about more than just what happens when you play the actual basketball game. It's about what happens, you know, in terms of build-up, in terms of, you know, everything around what is, what is the game day and how that, you know, affects the psyche of going into the game. And I, I said this before, 
the late show, excuse me, the whole league went in the bubble, which is that, you know, the Lakers might be the best team in the league, but they also had the most to lose from exactly what you're talking about. The Citizen Center is a factor by a lot, you know, and uh, just in general, the L.A. notion of we got to go to L.A. and beat the Lakers in this building or wherever it may be, I mean, that's a big thing. So I think mean, the Lakers lost the boat um, in terms of that, and I, I think it's a high percentage of what they do, and that's fair. That's the reason why you come to L.A. Big life, big stars, big city, big action, big game. That ain't the case in Orlando. You know, everything is sort of sort of pared down, which 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 really affects basketball in kind of a different way. And I think for a guy like LeBron James, who's never lost a first round series, he's had to make a bit of an adjustment because, and you know, I actually want to get some thoughts on this too, Wyatt, because look, the deal about the bubble was weird for the Lakers because once they wrapped up that one team. Not even once they wrapped up the onesie, but going into it, because of that home court advantage element being gone, the question was, well, how do you play these eight games, these seeding round games, as they call them, you know? And I, I think a lot of people sort of felt like, okay, they were doing a lot of speaking um, and, and, and figuring out, which is which is okay. I mean, that's what you have to do. But, you know, Lionel, Lionel Hollins wasn't there, um, so, they're, so they're a bit undermanned on that, in that regard. But... They weren't necessarily playing, but I'll just fall flatly meaningful games. The Blazers were the entire time. The Blazers had a play game. They were playing for their lives. So I'm not entirely and shocked. For the majority of that game, Portland was losing. I don't want to call it momentum, but I, I mean, I guess I will. From a momentum standpoint, I'm not entirely shocked the Blazers won the game. You know, they, no, they, they, they made sort of, no. of a psychological sort of lock in theater that the Lakers just couldn't match. You know, and that's understandable, but, you know, that's why seven games here is just seven games. You know, it's okay. I, I think it's certainly recoverable, particularly a LeBron team, but the Blazers needed to come out. I think this is a very important game for the Blazers to sort of justify getting to the playoffs at all, quite frankly. Because if you don't win a game, or let's, let's just say you win game two or three and it ends up being, you know, uh, a five-gamer, then like, all right, but then maybe not you shouldn't have been in the playoffs, but it's like, what were we even doing? You know, they, they kind of had to make a little bit of a run. They passed the Grizzlies, beat the Grizzlies. That game was terrifying for Blazers fans. And they won another game. And the Blazers are doing something here. And so I, I just don't want to put ourselves in a position where, as NBA fans, we're looking at this like, oh, my God, what a Laker failure. The Blazers are doing well. And the Blazers are a good team. And that's what Laker fans need to understand. This is a movable series for sure. And sure, it will be an upset. Sure, it will be devastating. But the Blazers don't suck. That's not what's going on here. And the and the Blazers are not a number are not a number eight seed if if everything went right for them l- earlier, they would not have been a number eight seed. They probably would be where the Mavericks are right now or something like that. They probably. I think would. it would be better than the Mavericks, but I'm I'm agreeing with you for sure. You know, and you know, Yurkic is a part of that. Like I said, Zach Collins is a big part of that too. I look. I'm a, I happen to be a big-time Zach Collins fan, so whatever. I'm sorry I'm talking about him so much, but I, I just think the Blazers are one of those teams where, you know, they just got dudes on the interior, between um, Whiteside, him, him being Collins, and, and, and Nurkic, where it's like, that's hard to contend with, dog. You know, and while the rotation of JaVale, Dwight, and um, Davis is one thing, uh, I mean, I, I think if you, if you get out of the, the top one of those three subsets, then the Blazers are better. I mean, I think I, I, I mean I think Whiteside and Collins are better than Howard and Javit. So uh, you know, I mean that, that's the thing. 
No, and, and Dwight Howard didn't help himself by playing the way he played last night with those fouls, getting upset. We saw a lot of the old Dwight come out last night with that sure. person and, personality. You know, and, that, that's, um, something that, that's something that Dwight's going to have to figure out. But again, like, it's one game, you know. And they didn't lose by double digits. They didn't get blown out. Um, they, just, they just didn't put the ball in the hole. And I, I, I don't know, quite frankly, that there's any team in the NBA right now that can expect to win a game when they don't score 100 points. I, I, I really don't. You know, I mean, this is the kind of league where that is – that is a standard four night, 100 points. I think the 90s, you know what I'm saying? The fucking playoff games are, you know, ending in the 80s. You know, you know what I mean? With last second puzzle beaters. That's not what's going on. You got to put the ball in the net. And if you don't score for the points, um, uh, you know, it's hard to win. Flatly. Well, you and, know, the, and the other thing is, this is not, we're not seeing the, I think the Lakers have, there's one thing that isn't going to work in the bubble for them, and that is what we've talked about. The, when the Lakers have home court advantage, it's home court advantage that no one else can really match. Um, it's just different. They treat it differently. The Spurs can, the Spurs can match it, but the Spurs aren't in the playoffs. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, the, I mean, the Spurs, in my opinion, are <laughs> they were the one of the worst in the bubble. Let's not even. They were the right, worst. But I mean, in general, in the NBA, yeah. in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what I'm saying is that the Lakers are not entirely unmatched in terms of well, um, environment. That's what I meant. Like, okay, okay. Bad. the spurt. Yeah. So I want to move on to Chris Dapps Porzingis getting ejected <laughs> on Monday night. And what do you? And if you think that that has any indication on what happens tonight for Game Two. Um, I don't know. I mean, we talked about this one second. We, we talked about this on Around the Horn yesterday, and I, look, do I think he should have gotten tossed? Probably not, but at the same time, he also admitted that he knew he was wrong in coming in to the circle or whatever with that Marcus Morris situation. So, like, I, I don't think this affects the next game. I, I, I really don't. This is not oh, shit. Sorry, hold on. People doing shit. Um, I, I don't think it's like the next game at all. I really don't. I mean, it, it, you know, it was a dust up, but that, 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 that's the extent of it for me. Um, yeah. I also think that Kristaps Porzingis was an idiot to walk over. Uh, you don't you don't walk over when you're not involved. Kristaps Porzingis had no reason to walk over to Marcus Morris. And Luka Doncic. I'm not, There's no reason. You know why? Honestly, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not buying that because I don't necessarily believe that every single person who enters a fray is there as an escalator. I, I, I just don't, from a judgment standpoint. And if you watch that over and over, like the fact that you said even the word or the verb "walk" is to me an indicator that this is not that serious. He walked over. What else was he supposed to do? You know, saying he didn't run over there. You know what I mean? He didn't. He didn't lunge over there. He walked over. And defended his guy. So, like, I get it. You know, they're hypersensitive about it. I honestly think that if he didn't have the first one, he wouldn't have gotten the second one. To be quite frank, because they're just like, dude, what are you doing? You have a tech. Get out of here. You know what I'm saying? So it was stupid in that regard. But I don't think this is some massive error in judgment. I just think it was. But the but the first but the first but the first tech but the first tech was bad as well. 
These were both yeah, bad he calls. He didn't deserve either one. That's why this is. I don't. I don't think the second one was that bad of a call. Is what I'm saying. I, I. I don't agree with the judgment, but the problem is the rule there, not the call. Is what I mean. Because it, it's just considered from an adjudication standpoint that if you walk over to a function, that you're an escalator, and I, I don't think that makes sense. But that being said, it was still pretty stupid considering he already had one. But it was natural. It was an instant. You know, and I, I don't think anybody had any problem with that. I don't even think Marcus Morris had any problem with that. Who's, so I'm who's, not making too much out of that. That was just, listen, you got to understand too. That was just for me, um, a guy in the first playoff game getting hot. Yep. You know, let's not forget, it wasn't just Lucas' first playoff game. It was also Porzingis. You know, he got tossed from his first ever playoff game. That is not something that you're going to be able to expect to be like normal no. or like, uh, you know, that was to me was an option. So for so, do, who do you think should have should have had the responsibility of telling Porzingis, "Hey, you have one technical. Get out of there." Think, I don't think this is that. I don't. I don't think this is that serious. To be quite honest, I mean, I think it's Porzingis' responsibility. He just blew it. It happened. You know what I'm saying? The guys get text. Like I said, it's his first ever NBA playoff game, and it's in the bubble. You know, they're playing against the Clippers. They're dealing with the Patrick Beverly factor. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's a lot going on in there. I, he just, he just kind of lost it. You know, Marcus Morris is a top psychological player to play against. That's what the Morris brothers do well. They get you off your game. You know, and he fell for it. And he knew it. That's why he said as much. One, I don't really that serious going beyond The that. one major advantage that I think the Clippers have against anyone is that rough rider mentality. That cannot go... Mm-hmm. Un, that cannot go without saying the Clippers no, play the I mean, toughest brand play the toughest I brand of basketball that right now that there is like there is no one that's out there as that's tough a, as they a, are that's a great way to put it the way I would say it is they have the meanest men in the NBA that's the way I would say it you know, they, they, they don't play around Trez will knock you on your ass Marcus Morris will kick you in the teeth Patrick Beverly will talk to you about it the entire day long and when you get home. You know what I'm saying? That's a fit. That's what makes the Clippers a factor. So, yeah. I mean, of course they play lockdown defense. Of course they got two of the best players in the league. I think the one of the main differences is you saw on Christmas Day. So, yep. that's a big I think that one of the main hey, differences. Right, okay, so, I only got like five more minutes. So, what, what's the last thing you want to get to? Do you want to get to football? Yep. Oh, you bet I do. So, for people who don't know, Clinton Yates was based out of D.C. for majority of his life. I didn't know he was based out of D.C. I grew up. You were you grew up in D.C. and knows everything there is to know about D.C. sports. There is no one out there who who knows more than you. No one. So, let's... There are plenty of people who know more than me. I'm just somebody that pays a lot of attention. Nobody in L.A. knows more than me. <laughs> so, let's... Let's, so I have a few questions about what's going on with the Washington football team. And I want your help explain to people here in L.A. Why, what, why were these decisions made and if they have any correlation to, to any other decisions that were made. I want your help with that. What decisions are you referring to specifically? They, that they... That there was that they decided to change the team's name when they was it was it because they thought that a story was coming out 
or they were just, or they just randomly decided that they were going to do it. No, um, it was either. It was the fact that in 2020, after all the stuff we've seen in America in terms of how we communicate who we are, I think that reasonable people just had enough of a racist mascot. They said, look, bro, at the very least, case day day, you know, when the minority owner, who is a big wig at FedEx, who owns the naming rights in the stadium, says, change the name, you change the name. And whether it's for the greater good of just business, Never mind goodwill. That's fine. I don't care. You know, that, that name needs to change big time. And it hasn't changed yet. That's something that I want people to understand. It has simply been removed, you know. And I have the personal opinion that you got to change the colors because people will otherwise just show up in the old gear. But that decision was a business one. Um, and that's fine by me. You know, what comes next, I don't know. You know, they hired uh, Julie Donaldson to be their head of broadcasting. Julie's been in that market for a long time as a reporter and a host. Julie is fantastically talented. So, you know, that's a good person um, to have in that position. Um, they hired that guy, Jason Wright, who used to be in the league and is now the president of the team, the first black NFL president in history. But ultimately, to me, I don't really trust any function that Dan Snyder is in charge of. You know, if you want to do some research, why, go look up a story called The Cranky Fans Guide. To Daniel M. Snyder. It's on a publication called Washington City Paper, which is an alt-weekly in D.C. And you'll see how ridiculous this guy's entire tenure has been on even the smallest of levels. You know, and I just feel like anything that guy's involved with is going to fail. He's too selfish and too stupid to run a modern NFL franchise in my personal opinion. He he bought the team because he was a fan as as a child, essentially. He didn't have he didn't have any experience of running any team whatsoever, let alone business. So, this is not exactly someone who anyone should trust with their business at all. And you're, well, you don't need to have business experience to run an NFL team. You just need to be a reasonably kind person that knows how to keep the checks coming in without pissing people off. And he couldn't even do that. People already like that team enough. And he was just abusing that privilege over and over and continues to. And that's what the issue is, is that he's making things worse that are not that bad. You know, never mind off-field, excuse um, so me, on-field lack of success. I mean, I'm not even talking about that. That team stuck forever. You know, the last time they went to the freaking Super Bowl, I was 10 years old, you know. And I'm almost 40. So that tells you right there, they've had a lifetime of stuff. So it ain't even about the success. It's about the fact that he's kicked off so many people in the community um, both football and locally, that's just been whack, you know. And it's just there are smarter people out there. And if the NFL has any idea what they're doing, they'll get that guy out of there because he's not good for business, flatness, you know. Um, and that that's got to be a factor here. You know, you can you can you can you can talk about the moral high ground of you know what it is with the mascot or what it is with the team name or what it is with the colors or what it is with even the toxic ass culture of that place. But it all adds up to this is under Snyder's watch, and you can't have that in 2020. Not in a modern operation, and that's a factor here for me on a, in a major way. And I think that he's going to end up selling the team in the next five years. So, a couple more to get to. Why would? Why would? What would make? Let's try to do something to explain it to people who live here. Okay, I'm going to make a comparison, and I want you to tell me. If this is right or this is wrong, 
forth or any any similarities in this person at all. You probably okay. know where I'm headed with this. Um, Donald Sterling? Yep, here we go. You got it. Um, so I don't think the comparison is that close. And I'll, I'm going to cut off your question here, Wyatt. But I do think the comparison to the human is similar. But the problem there is that the fan base comparison is not the same. Because people are fans of that team for no, I mean the football team, for no reason at all. Basically because they think it's cool and get drunk and root for a football team, and they don't care what they have to do to do it. The team sucks forever. You know, it's not like they're rooting for a, or a winner. You know, people just like the family and communal aspect of being a fan of that team because it's been there for so long. That's really what this is. So I was dealing with a different matter. There aren't some, there's not legions of Clippers fans wishing that that team was better than they are. That's not real. You know, Clippers fans are just rooting for the Clippers because they happen to like the Clippers because they don't want to like the Lakers. That's not the case in D.C., I was talking to my dad about this the other day. He said the connection to that football team is spiritual in terms of description, which is a crazy word to use, but that's real because there's no evidence that anything is ever going to go right. Faith, by definition, is believing in something you cannot see. That is what people who are fans of that football team have. They are believing in something that is not there and they cannot see and it's not real. So that connection is nothing like any Clippers fans ever had, and that's why it's a different thing. So man-to-man... Their sort of toxicity might be comparable, even if in different ways. But community to community, it's not remotely the same. So there's a big difference there. Okay. So thank you for doing this. All right. Last question, because I got I got to run. Okay. Um. So one last question for you. When will we get back into sporting sport live? When will we get live sports? in either the end of 2020 or the beginning of 2021. If that'll ever happen. I don't think it's going to be that close. I think it'll be five calendar full years until we get back to massively large crowds again. I really do. Okay. I just think it's a matter of health. I think it's a matter of vaccines. And I just think it's a matter of liability. Nobody's going to put 100,000 people in the big house in Michigan until we have a vaccine. That's just not going to happen. And we're about a year in to what we'll call vaccine research. Vaccines typically take four years to happen. I think we're looking at five total years before we get back to massive crowds where you can unencumberedly go to a game and I still think we're going to see people wearing masks for the rest of our lives. Alright. So, thanks for doing this and I cannot, I cannot wait to get back in studio when we get all through this. Alright. Me too, bro. Yep. Alright, man. I'll talk to you soon. Right. Keep that up, bro. Yep. Um, thanks to Clinton Yates for that. That from ESPN. That was awesome of him to do. Um, so we'll be back uh, sometime either this, either late this week or early next week. Thanks for listening.